Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Hello Church, welcome to our service today. We're really praying for you. We know that many people are going through a really tough time uh, financially. Maybe some of you are not well. Maybe some of you are struggling with loneliness and being isolated. Or maybe just having so many people in one house, your kids and yourself, in isolation. We're praying for you and we believe that we can get through this and not just survive but thrive but really do something great through this time that Lord, the Lord is going to show us new things. He's going to use us in new ways and we are praying that the Lord gives us clever ideas for ways to use this time to make the most of these days of trial where the world is crying out for help. So let's trust the Lord to show us how to do that. Today I want to talk about going through the cross to healing and it's a very relevant talk today because so many of us are thinking about disease. A tiny little virus, you know I read somewhere that viruses are so small that if bacteria had eyes they couldn't see viruses, they would be so small. That's how small a virus is. One little virus, someone somewhere in China ate a bat which had this virus in and somehow that virus infected him and from there it has changed the whole world because viruses spread and they destroy the cells that they get into. And today we want to talk about what is God's perspective on this. Does God use healing? Does God want to heal? Does God use disease? Does God want disease? What is the story behind this? There's a lot of confusion. Over many generations, the Christian church, because they were seeing so few healings, this is my opinion, the Christian church changed their theology from what I believe the Bible says, which is that God is not the author of sickness and doesn't want sickness. The Christian church changed their theology and started to say, if you're sick, it's because God wants you sick. He either brought it on you or he allowed it, which is the same thing as bringing it on you. And he, uh, he designed it and he planned it and he's pleased that you're sick. And, and I just find that such a strange way of thinking. Imagine you were a Christian who thought that God wanted sickness and now you get sick. Now what do you do? Do you take medicine? Do you go to the doctor and ask him to heal you? Because if God was the one who brought the sickness or even allowed it for a, a bigger purpose, if God was the one behind it, then should I go to the doctor? And so a lot of Christians are so conflicted because they're saying in their mind, God wants this on me. God designed this for me. God is pleased. He, he decided this is what I needed. But then on the other hand, they're saying, let me go to the doctor and try and try and overcome the sickness. And so they feel like internally they're, they're conflicted and they're fighting with themselves. It's almost like they're fighting with God's will. And I want to say to you that from the beginning of the Bible, right from the start, God created men and women without sickness, never to die. No sickness, no suffering, no pain. And it was only after sin entered and we invited the devil to come in that all the sicknesses came and it's just been getting worse ever since then. So sickness was never God's plan. And then right from the beginning of the Bible, God talked about himself as the one who fights sickness. So in Exodus chapter 15, it says, uh, God says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right, 
Give ear to his commandments. Keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And that's a name that God gives to himself. There are several times in the Old Testament where God gives himself a name. He calls himself Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, the provider. He calls himself Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner. Uh, he calls himself the Lord of hosts, the Lord, our righteousness. And here he calls himself the Lord, your healer, Jehovah Rapha. He puts his name, Jehovah or Yahweh, that name that means I am what I am. And then he adds something to it, which describes that he, what he is. And he says, my name is the God who heals you. Isn't that amazing? Some other verses in the Old Testament about God healing. Psalm 103 verse 3, it says, God forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Proverbs 4 verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. He says God's words are like medicine. They bring health to our flesh. Isn't that amazing? Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Malachi 4 verse 2, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and you shall go out and grow fat like stall fed calves. God wants to heal. In Numbers chapter 21 and verse 6, there's a story that talks about God healing. Um, the people were grumbling against Moses and against God uh, so the Lord allowed fiery serpents to go out among the people. Just a word about this. In the Old Testament, often it says the Lord did this or the Lord sent or the Lord um, caused something to happen. But in the New Testament, so let me give you an example. In the book of Job, Job was unsure why he was suffering. He didn't understand. And his counselors, his wise men, his friends who came to tell him why he was suffering, had no idea about the devil. They were clueless. They said, well, you must have sinned, Job, or God must have done this to you. Or the, the, old, the whole of the Old Testament is unaware, unaware of the, the, the spiritual war that's going on behind the scenes. In a couple of places, we see it. Um, it, in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is praying and an angel comes after 21 days of praying and the angel says to him, Daniel, I was sent to answer your prayer on day one of your prayer, but it's taken me 21 days because I was fighting against demonic forces. And then in the New Testament, the veil is pulled back and Paul often says, I've come to reveal something that was a mystery, but now is seen, now is understood that there's the spiritual fight going on in the background. And so often in the Old Testament where it says God did or God allowed, we have it clarified for us in the New Testament that um, just like Job, the devil came before God and said, I want to tempt Job. I want to test him. He's not really righteous. He's not your best man. Let me inflict disease. Let me hurt him. Let me do whatever. And we see that God allowed it. But the reason is because in the Old Testament, you see, management of planet Earth is something that was given to Adam and Eve as caretakers. 
Psalm 8 and various other places says that God gave the management of the earth to man. Man gave it away to Satan. And so we see in Luke chapter 4, when Satan is tempting Jesus, he says, all of these kingdoms and all the power of the world is mine. It was given to me and I can give it to whomever I want. He held it. But then when Jesus died and rose again, he took back ownership of the earth. And so the devil can no longer ask to hurt and to inflict disease and inflict damage. Now we fight. And so Revelation 12 says that we fight against the devil, but we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So getting back to Numbers chapter 21, there was um, fiery serpents among the people. And in verse seven, it says, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. And this is a picture of God throughout the Old Testament. He calls himself the Lord our healer. He heals people. He provides ways for them to be healed. Um, and he promises a, a savior, a Messiah, who's going to come. And when Jesus came, his very first sermon, he read from the book of Isaiah. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then Jesus healed people. If there was one thing that Jesus was known for more than anything, it was his healing. Historians believe that during Jesus' three-year ministry for the whole region around Israel, all the surrounding cities and, and countries and the nation of Israel itself, disease was pretty much eradicated during that time. He healed everyone who came to him. There's not a single instance of Jesus saying no to someone who asked him for healing. Isn't that amazing? Let me just read you one little passage that illustrates this. It's from Luke chapter 6. And it says, He came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were healed. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him, and he healed them all. Did you see that? He stood on a huge big plain, and it said there were people from Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre and Sidon, from all surrounding countries came. There were thousands, multiplied thousands, and they came to be healed. They were healed. Power went out from him and healed them all. All the power of God was revealed in Jesus. And so we see God's name in the Old Testament. We see God's desire in the Old Testament. Tastes, foretastes of what he wants and how he's going to reveal himself. And then Jesus comes. You know, Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And Jesus healed everyone. He healed people. But then something happened. He went through the cross. And we've been speaking about not just going to the cross 
in our sermons for the last few weeks, we've been saying, let's go through the cross with Jesus. You see, if you go to the cross, it's like, it's like a dispensary. It's like you go to a service station to get fuel, or you go to a pharmacy to get medicine, or you go to a hospital to see a doctor. If you go to the cross, you think, I always have to go back to Jesus every time I need healing. But the Bible's message is that we are in Christ. We've read in the previous weeks many verses that say we were crucified with Him because we are in Him. We were buried with Him. We were raised again with Him. We are now seated with Him in heavenly places because we are in Him. And so we're trying to say in the sermon series, let's not keep going back to the cross as if I need to keep getting a refill of something that I need if I'm sick. I go back to the cross and I think, oh, maybe God will heal me today. No, no. Let's go through the cross and see what Jesus purchased once forever for us. So in summary, what Jesus did, he was completely well and healthy and strong without any pain or weakness on the Thursday night that he had his supper with his disciples. Then in the Garden of Gethsemane, late on Thursday night, the soldiers arrived. They arrested him. They probably hit him. We know that there was a scuffle. They tied him up. They took him into captivity where there were several trials, both Jewish and then Roman trials. There were Jewish soldiers and Roman soldiers. There were all sorts of people manhandling Jesus, punching him, ripping out his beard, putting a crown of thorns on his head spitting on him, hurting him, hitting him with sticks. Then he was whipped or flogged so severely by the Romans that it would have ripped the, the flesh off his back and other parts of his body. As the whip flicked around his body and ripped pieces of flesh off, he was so badly marred. Isaiah 52 says, beyond human uh, recognition. And then he was crucified with nails put through his extremities. And then a sword or a spear was pierced into his side. His heart burst, blood and water flowed out. And so he went from being strong and healthy to the ultimate in pain and weakness and, and a lack of strength and health. Can you see that? All the way down. Just an incredible um, quick degradation to nothing. He was also tired because he hadn't slept for over 24 hours uh, and he hadn't eaten or drunk anything. So he was incredibly weak, dehydrated, lack of blood, lack of sleep. Also the emotional trauma in the Garden of Gethsemane, he'd been bleeding out of his sweat pores because of the, the stress that he was under. And so we see this downwards trend from health and strength all the way down. Then he was put in a tomb and eventually the Spirit of God came into him and brought him back to life. The power of God rebuilt the damaged cells. Just a, an interesting point here is he, he retained some scars. He didn't need to, but Jesus retained scars on his body as a memorial for us forever. They are the stripes on his body that tell us that he paid for our healing forever. He was fully restored to full health, so much so that he can never die again. He is beyond any sickness, any pain, any weakness. He went through the cross and he came back to life fully restored, fully healthy. And now listen to this. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you are in the body of Christ. It's not something you attend. The body of Christ is not something you visit. You are the body of Christ. 
You know that verse that says, he'll never let anyone snatch you out of his hand? I want to go a step further based on what the scripture says. You are part of his hand. It's not just that he can't let you out. You are part of his hand. You are part of his body. And his body is done with sickness, with weakness, with pain, with being mutilated. All the pain that he went through was to pay for us to be healed. Isn't that amazing? Isaiah 53 and verse 4 says this. Surely he has borne our griefs. And that word um, in the Hebrew is chole, which is sicknesses, always translated sicknesses uh, in every other part of the Bible. Surely he has borne our griefs or our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, machov, which means pain as well. He's, he's borne our sicknesses, he's carried our pain, yet we esteemed and stricken, smitten by God, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgression. So it wasn't just for physical healing, it was for the healing of sin and guilt as well. He was bruised for our iniquities, our inward guilt. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. When he was chastised and whipped and beaten and punished, it was so that I could have peace with God and the peace of God that just transcends all understanding. And then by his stripes, those wounds and those scars that still remain, it says we are healed. Not we may be healed, not we might be healed if we do certain things. Not if God's in a good mood today, he might heal us. No, we, we have been healed. Now, you might say to me, ah, but that, that's all talking about spiritual healing. It's not talking about physical healing. Well, what does Matthew chapter 8 say? Verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The New Testament writer, Matthew, clearly says when he healed people, he was fulfilling Isaiah 53. Now, we go through the cross. You say to me, but what does that mean, Greg? I have a sickness or I'm, I'm afraid of a virus that might come and get me. How do I take this reality and, and put it into practice in my life? Does that mean that I just ignore warnings, that I don't need to wash my hands, that I don't need to stay away from people? Does that mean that I don't need to go to a doctor or take any medicine? Does that mean when I have symptoms that I pretend that I don't have symptoms and say, no, I really am healed? What, what does this all mean? I want to say to you that the message of the New Testament is that Jesus came and showed us the heavenly kingdom. He showed us what heaven would be like, where there's no more sickness, no more dying, no more crying, no more sorrow or pain. He showed us what it was like. He set people free from demonic bondage, from sickness, from death, from poverty, from ignorance from guilt. He set people free. He just brought freedom and healing and life and even raised people from the dead. He showed us what it was like. He bought it for us through the cross. And then he says, I put this within you. And this is the beautiful message of the New Testament is that I am in Christ, but also he is in me. This, this future kingdom of heaven where there's no more sickness, sorrow, pain or dying is in me. It's in me right now. I have the fullness of heaven inside of me. Luke chapter 17, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's within me, but I still live in a fleshly body. 
So I've got this kingdom with all this life and power and healing in me, but I still have a fleshly body and I still live in a fleshly world until the day Jesus comes back and makes all things new. He's going to He's going to wrap it all up, wrap up time and space, and he's going to bring in a new heaven and a new earth. But the main thing to understand is I have a foretaste. I have a part of heaven inside of me. My spirit, the Bible says, is born again. 2 Corinthians 5 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are made new. The old is gone. All things are made new. And that's a direct quote, even though it 2 Corinthians 5 was written before Revelation. The same words are used in Revelation 21, where it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is already, he has already this new creation, this new heaven and this new earth inside of him, where there is no more sickness, sorrow, dying or pain. Now, what do I do with this? I say, thank you, Jesus, that you paid for me to be healed. Thank you for the power of your spirit that's within me. And then I agree. You see, your mind is in the middle. You've got your fleshly body on the outside. You've got your powerful spirit on the inside and your mind is in the middle. And the Bible says in Romans 8 verses 5 and 6 around there, it says that we set our minds on the things of the spirit. As you set your mind on this healing that Christ has brought for you, as you see what Christ has done, your mind agrees. You say, yes, I am healed in Christ. And then you speak to your body. And that's what prayer is a lot of the time. You know, most of the time when Jesus healed people, he didn't pray to God and say, God, please, would you heal? He spoke to the sickness. He spoke to the demonic forces, the pain, the fever, whatever it was. He spoke to it because the power of God's spirit was in him and he spoke and enforced God's victory. And so we, by the power of God's spirit within us, we say sickness, leave. We say coronavirus, COVID-19, in Jesus' name, I resist you and I reject you. You will have no place in my life. You will have no place in my family. And at the same time, we take the medicine or we wash our hands or we follow all the, the hygienic advice that is correct to help us because we use every weapon at our disposal to fight sickness. We're not double-minded. We don't say, God wants me sick, but I'm going to fight it. No, we say, God doesn't want me sick. Sickness is an enemy. And with his power, I will fight it as well as using medicine and every other means at my disposal. Now, you might say to me, Craig, if you have faith like this, then surely you can live purely healthy your whole life. And I would say to you, yes, you can. And you should try to do that. But don't get discouraged if you're not fully healthy. Because there were instances of people in the Bible, even though Jesus healed everyone who came to him, and even though Paul and the apostles healed everyone. You say, Craig, did they really? Acts 28 and verse 9 tells a story of Paul entering a, a place and he healed everyone in that place. Every single person was healed. In Acts chapter 5, it talks about the apostles doing great wonders in Jerusalem so that even when Peter's shadow fell on people, they were healed. And it says everyone was healed. So we see everyone who came to Jesus was healed. 
the apostles had great victories. And yet, let me read you just three stories. And I, I want to just weigh these up against each other. You've got everyone in the whole of Israel and surrounding areas getting healed by Jesus. You've got everyone in Acts chapter 5 getting healed. You've got everyone in Acts 28 in, in Paul's ministry in that particular place getting healed. But then I want to just show you three different verses. In 1 Timothy 5.23, Timothy was Paul's closest associate. And Paul says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Now there's no hint of blame there. There's no hint of saying, Timothy, you've failed. There's no hint of, of Paul looking down on Timothy and saying he's a lesser Christian. Paul believed in healing. He practiced it and he preached it and he saw it happen all over the world and he, he speaks about it in many, many places. And yet he says to Timothy, it's okay. You've got frequent illnesses. I'm sure he said pray. I'm sure he said declare, believe, do all the right things. And yet he also said, take some medicine, some wine for your illnesses. There's another one, Trophimus. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 20, Paul says, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Paul's associate called Trophimus was left in Miletus sick. Does that mean he failed? Does that mean Paul had a lack of faith? Trophimus had a lack of faith? No, there's no hint of that. There's a fight going on. And in this time, until Jesus comes again, we have this power within us. We believe it's God's will for healing, but we don't get all bent out of shape if sometimes it doesn't work. The last one is Paul. In Galatians 4 verse 13, Paul says, You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. He says that when he first came to preach in Galatia, he was sick. However, he recovered. And he doesn't, he doesn't indicate that being sick stops a person from being full of faith or being able to be used by God. You know, in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Faith is a fight. We have to fight against sickness. We have to fight against the devil and his demons. We have to fight against the opinions of the world around us and our own fears and worries and emotions. We have to fight and hold on to faith and say, no, I believe. I set my mind on what is true and what is in my spirit, and I fight against all these things. It's not an easy, clear sailing route to winning the battle in this world. One day it will be when we get to heaven, but for now we're fighting the fight of faith. You know, we're told in the Bible, resist the devil and he will flee from you. There has to be some active resistance. When you're fearful, resist that. Resist the fear. Say, I will not be fearful. I will trust in God's word. If you have any symptoms, say, I resist you symptoms. Speak against them. Tell them to get out of your body. If there is sickness in your family or, or a problem in your family, resist, resist. The devil will try to take ground, 
But when you resist, the power of God within you is always greater than the devil and he will flee from you. And let's pray a prayer together. Lord God, thank you for your healing. Thank you for your will for me to be well. Thank you, God, that you have paid on the cross. When Jesus took all that punishment, you paid for me to be well and that I can move through the cross with Jesus into wholeness and health. Thank you that I'm hidden in Christ, that in the body of Christ, there is no more sickness or pain or death. Thank you, God, that I can fight against sickness. Thank you, God, that you are working with the doctors and all the different authorities to help us overcome the sickness. Thank you, God, that even though I'm alone and isolated, you are with me and your family are with me and I'm connected to my brothers and sisters around the world. Thank you, God, that right now we can take authority against this disease. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare, I am part of the body of Christ. His healing and His health is is within me. He has bought it for me. By His stripes, I am healed. I have been healed. And I declare to my body, fever, leave in Jesus' name. Virus, leave in Jesus' name. Cells be healed and made whole in Jesus' name. Just receive that right now. And also we declare, we are protected. We are blessed. We are under the shadow of the Almighty. We are hidden under His wings. We are kept safe. And sickness will not come close to us. And Lord, we thank you for your power at work in us and in those we love. And we thank you for your light and your gospel shining in this dark time. Thank you, God, for helping us to overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.